come up throughout all of this shelter in place stuff? Um, honestly, it hasn't affected me a whole lot. Uh, if anything, it's kind of like made it a little bit nicer for me because like I like to not isolate, but I like to chill alone a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of nice to have everyone just sitting at home and not like bugging about stuff like that. Um, also, I've just have been spending it with with a quarantine buddy. <laughs> so, like, been back and forth just a little um, I- a little isolation and penetration correct correct <laughs> lots, of, lots of the other things <laughs> right on yeah. hey so before we get too deep into the the interview here maybe uh if you don't mind sharing a little bit about yourself a little bit about your background um since um <clears throat> you're but you've been close to my wife and i Haley and myself uh for the last uh year or two um and the reason why we got to know you is because you actually reached out to the show um, because you you had some issues and you wanted some help and some and just basically you wanted to uh, get some stuff off your chest. And I, I want you to get into that here in a little bit. But before we do any of that, um, tell tell you a little about yourself, where you came from and uh, and maybe a little bit about your military background, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So uh, I was born in a uh, city of Vilnius in Lithuania um, in 1983. Uh, we moved over here. In 92, I was eight years old uh, when the Soviet, because we were controlled by the Soviets at the time. And then as soon as we got our independence, my, my folks said, let's get the hell out of there. Um, uh, so you're Lithuanian by birth. Correct. And your parents are are both Lithuanian as well? Correct. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So I uh, moved here and I mean, we, we moved to Sacramento and I grew up basically all over Sacramento. We moved a lot when we first got here. Um, it was kind of culture shock. Plus the constant moves were kind of, you know, it was a lot for a kid. Oh, for sure. Did you, uh, what was there a reason why your parents chose Sacramento? Um, uh, my uncle had already been living here and, um, he helped us apply for like the visa and everything to get over here. So, okay. Uh, we just moved here. Nice. Yep. Um, so then, uh, you know, went to school, uh, constantly changing schools with the moving as well. Uh, so, you know, never really in the crowd or like, you know, and I'm not even talking about the in crowd, but just never really like solid little foundation of friends or whatnot. So mm-hmm. just always kind of like on the outskirts, little skater kid, um, started getting into fights and stuff. Um, and I was pretty good at it. Apparently <laughs> got, <laughs> got kicked out of a lot of schools too. Um, and so, like, I, I also, like, in school, I realized that, like, you know, the way they were teaching it wasn't the way I was learning because I was a pretty smart kid. Like, uh, when we moved here, I, I skipped the third grade. Like, they give you an aptitude test. And, uh, you know, I had finished the second grade in Lithuania, uh, and then they put me right into fourth grade here. Uh, quite the jump. Yeah. It's, it's speaking no English. <laughs> yeah. And, and not, not just, I mean, that's like the biggest obstacle there, but I mean, just the, the curriculum and, and the, just the society uh, in general. I mean, it's complete culture shock. Um, the schools back in Lithuania were like a lot um, stricter and, and um, a lot more like, you know, curriculum like oriented. So a little more advanced. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like you know, the math you're you're already starting to do like algebra in like second grade, basically, Jesus. like not not hardcore or anything like that. But yeah, um, so yeah, so I you know didn't want to go to college really. Uh, my sister went to college; uh, she's a doctor now. <laughs> but uh, 
I, I just wasn't sure what I was doing. I was just kind of like going with the flow at the time. Um, and so like another part of my past is I was in the Marine Corps. Uh, but how I joined the Marine Corps is a kind of a funny story because uh, I wasn't like I was planning it, um, you know, as a career. I wasn't uh, I didn't know anything about it, honestly. And we had a career day at my high school and, you know, they had plumbers, electricians, etc., mm-hmm. all in the quad. But uh, there's this pull-up bar that I saw, and all the cute girls <laughs> from the school were at the pull-up bar. <laughs> so I ran over there, and I'm just like, hey, I, I want to do some pull-ups. And, you know, the guy in the uniform is just like, here, you need to fill this out. So I just filled out this little roster thing and uh, handed it right back to him, did my pull-ups, and, you know, um, went about my way. Uh, and I got a call from the recruiter, you know, and he's like, hey, uh you know, we're, we're, we're looking for guys like you, et cetera, et cetera. And my response was, I don't think you're looking for guys like me. <laughs> <laughs> At the time I was like a little stoner, you know, like just whatever, just a little skater stoner kid. Yeah. Um, and so he, you know, but he kept pressing and I was like, sure, you come out and, and, you know, we'll, we'll go to lunch or something like that. And the first time he came out, I actually just sat there like I was on my parents' balcony and like just watched them come up to the door, knock a few times and then leave like after so many times. But, <laughs> so you ghosted him? Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, I felt kind of bad about that though. So like next time he uh, called me, I, I was like, all right, I'll just go. And uh, took me to the recruiting office and showed me these really cool videos of, you know, guys running around and, with you know, paint all over their face and, and camis and, rifles and stuff and i was just like all right i was like this is this seems pretty cool and then i don't have to go to school and i don't have to worry about you know my folks jumping down my neck for not knowing what i'm doing (laughs) right yeah yeah so uh that led to uh you know you go to meps and you do your physical and and test and your uh, asvab test there and i scored really high on the asvab uh and i was so like naive about uh, you know, like so un- or uneducated, I should say, about the military that my recruiter comes in, he's looking at the, ro- you know, the test results and he's like, so what do you want to do in the Marine Corps? And I, I didn't know there was any other jobs other than, you know, I didn't even know it was called infantry at the time. I was just like, you know, a Marine. Right. <laughs> like, that's exactly what I told him. I was like, I, I want to paint my face and run around with a rifle like the videos you showed me. And uh, he, he, of course, said, you know, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> that's just normal recruiter <laughs> mo i guess right uh, yeah and so i signed up i was in uh june that was my junior year of high school so i was, went into something called the delayed entry program so i was already contracted with the marine corps but you know i had to make sure i finished high school mm-hmm. where shortly after that i got kicked out of uh, bella vista high school is where i went um and at the time and I went on a little streak of just getting kicked out of like every school I went to. I, I think I went through like four schools that year. Um, and were the recruiters I, up your ass about that? Were, uh, they, were they following you along? Yeah. At first I wasn't telling them. And then once he did find out, he was just like, dude, you're not going to be able to go to the Marines. Cause you knew I, I, I really wanted to go to the Marines. I was looking forward to it at that point. Um, but uh, so basically, yeah, like I said, he, he's just like, dude, you're not gonna be able to go. So I, I, pulled myself together and just like, I mean, I just crammed like crazy, uh, 
uh, instead of like, I used to love working out and, and running around with like sports and stuff like that. But instead I just put everything aside and just got down in the books. I mean, it's still like barely made enough credits to like literally had the exact amount to graduate. Um, but I was able to go back to Bella Vista high school to graduate, which was cool to walk at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah. And then that summer, so we graduated like June, beginning of June and then, uh, July 20, that wasn't the 20th. That's my brother's birthday, <laughs> but it was somewhere, uh, mid, mid to like late J- July that I went, um, into basic training and it was pretty exciting. Um, well, it was exciting to, you know, till you get there, then they started barking at you and stuff. Mm-hmm. I still like, you know, carried a little chip on my shoulder and thought like that my opinions mattered and all this stuff. So the first uh, week was like pretty, pretty rough for me. Cause I just kept making caught little comments and stuff like that. And that doesn't go over very well with uh, drill instructors. <laughs> <laughs> So what did you, what was your, when you went in, did you know exactly what you wanted to do or how long did it take for you to, to really settle in, uh, after, you know, after all the basic and everything? Well, so like you do basic and then depending on what your MOS is, uh, military occupational specialty, um, which mine was a 0311 and that's, you know, a rifleman uh, infantry, mm-hmm. um, you, you go like, if you're infantry, you go to school of infantry, um, uh, freaking uh forget what their school's called right now it's, it's a uh they they basically go to a short uh, anyway everyone else that has uh we call them pogues people don't get mad at me for saying that word <laughs> <laughs> some people take offense to it but uh really pogue, okay all right pogue stands for person other than grunt oh uh, okay so, yes it's like a thing on the base uh, <laughs> on all bases but um they go to uh, like a short shortened like uh version of school of infantry basically so they know how to use weapons and whatnot but they you know that's not going to be their job they're going to be working on vehicles or you know radio etc gotcha so and then after that you get you get assigned to your unit so basically you you already know where you're heading um you know even in basic you, you usually already have your mos very rarely do they like have guys that you know they're open contract or whatever mm-hmm. um so uh, I was finished basic in October, but right before that was um, September, and that was a pretty crazy September for everyone, I believe. You know, was uh, this uh, September of two thousand one? Yep, that's the one. Um, so we were uh, so in basic training. You're in San Diego at MCRD, um, and then like for about a month you go up uh we call it going up north but you go to camp pendleton and that's where you do your field training um you do the crucible up there rifle range and stuff like that um so we're up on edson's range uh getting ready well you're it's called snapping in you're dry firing you're not sending any rounds yet you're basically learning the positions and whatnot and uh our our shooting instructors our range masters walk out and they go you guys hear about this you know we're like how the hell would we hear about this yeah. how to watch tv <laughs> but uh, uh they say two two planes crashed into two buildings in new york and uh this is you know everyone kind of like freaked out not freaked out uh, i should say more just we're kind of like there's a lot of confusion because everyone's wasn't sure and then they immediately said no we're just we're just messing with you guys you know what i mean and um 
and like I started thinking that this was like some form of a training exercise or something, mm-hmm. you know, just to see how we would react or whatnot. Because they kept doing that throughout the day, like they would like throw that out there and then they'd uh, pull it back. But I did notice that like like there was no usually you hear a lot of firing and, and stuff going on because you know other other platoons and, and whatnot are training on the ranges, but there's no no firing because I don't think they wanted anyone with live rounds in case someone's family's over there or, you know. Sure. Uh, so end of the day, they brought us into this big airplane hangar and they showed us newsreels from like all around uh, the country, you know, and I still thought, I was like, man, I was like, they really like put some effort into this training exercise. Holy crap, you know. Just completely in denial at that point still, right? Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, because first day in basic, everyone kind of groups together. You had like people from California and well, you had Northern and Southern California, like kind of grouped together. The Texans all grouped together. Uh, and, and the common thing that's being discussed is, you know, Hey guys, what if we go to war or what if we have to go to war or whatever? So, uh, when that happened, you know, it was pretty much like a, like a, are we gonna, is this really happening kind of thing? And like I said, I still was just like, this is just, a training exercise no way but uh once the letters from home started coming in is when like everyone kind of realized and it's like especially the infantry guys you know you know that you're going to be front and center basically mm-hmm. uh, so it didn't really like affect me and like in any form of negative way i wasn't necessarily like pumped and excited to go over there you know what i mean i i, I, was, I was still like shocked just by like what had happened um and you're in, you're in an interesting position too, because you were already in the process of training. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people who were not there yet, who had seen everything happen as it happened on 9-11 and they thought, wow, I want to go to war. It's my time. I want to, I don't want to enlist so that I can help be a part of the, uh, of the, uh, retaliation. Right. And so yeah. did you see a lot of those guys coming in after you that were, that were a lot more gung ho about it? Um, when, so when I was like the, the very beginning phases of, of, it was operation enduring freedom is a campaign against Afghanistan. That's the first one we started. Mm-hmm. Uh, like not, no one really talked about it too much like that. Um, you know, if, if guys had their reasons for going over there, they, you know, they kept it to themselves. Most, yeah. Mostly kept it to themselves. Cause it was still very like new and, um, you know, we hadn't seen any kind of, uh, like, large engagement since, like, Desert Storm, basically. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, even a lot of the, uh, le- like, platoon leaders, like, platoon sergeants and, and squad leaders uh, hadn't seen combat or, you know, anything of, of that nature. Um, so, it, yeah, it was just, it was fairly quiet on that on that end. Gotcha. Yeah, so uh, after basic, I, I in basic, I was uh, fortunate enough to graduate as an honor grad. So they pick like one guy out of your whole unit, um, and you get you know you 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 get a set of dress blues. You get a meritorious uh, promotion. You get to graduate in your blues while everyone else. Um, while, well, when I was in, they were wearing um, alphas. Uh, now I believe they wear like their charlies or deltas, but um, that's just different types of uniforms. Mm-hmm. And then, like, your parents get to sit with all the um, officers in this, like, gazebo-looking thing uh, <laughs> in the shade, basically, while everyone else is out on bleachers. And it's just, I mean, that's, like, a really cool moment. I but your like, parents I, are really proud. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's awesome. It was, and it was, I was really proud because it was just, like, cool to, you know, like, 
be out in front and center. You got, you know, the uh, company guide on and stuff and uh, guide on the flag. But like, you know, they announce your name and stuff and you, you just get all this, like this recognition. And for, you know, for something that's uh, considered to be super tough and, you know, mm-hmm. it was really like cool. It's like, I had to like, not a, not a hard time staying humble, but like, you know, it was, this is one of those things where it's like, oh, it could have been dangerous for, for a guy with like my little like mentality of like, I don't, you know, I could do whatever, anything like, uh, so, but, but that's one thing that, uh, I did, uh, get out of the basic for sure is, uh, I, I did get a lot of discipline and, and a lot of, uh, just, uh, like patience and learning to be patient. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so you don't have to go into like too much detail of, of like what you went through or anything. I know that that's probably, not, you know, I I don't want to assume, but I'm sure it's not the easiest thing to, to relive. Um, but how long did you end up serving uh, as a Marine and, and what was your, what what's your rank? Uh, corporal, which is a E4. Um, so I ended up doing uh, like a little over five years. Um, Cause they, they were, uh, was, by that time, they started doing a thing called stop loss, which is um, so you're contracted for four years active and four years inactive. Mm-hmm. So when you get out, uh, people could, you know, uh, they could call you back in case something did happen, like a conflict happened. But they could also automatically reactivate you when your four years are up for another four years. So, like, they were doing that a lot because Iraq had started mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, they, they were like not as many people were joining the military and they also needed guys that already had you know uh tours under their belt and then especially you know combat experience and stuff like that was crucial mm-hmm. um so yeah it was it was, it was definitely uh, a very strange um uh, i don't even know what to call it is <laughs> is it 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 yeah it was something else uh, i don't think Anyone, unless you've like been there, would uh, understand. Like, you know, I could give you descriptions, and and it would still not not even give it justice. Right. Yeah. Um. So I I went in as infantry um, after my first deployment. I was uh, my first duty station was North Carolina at uh, Camp Lejeune, and uh, we we had uh, Stay Platoon, which is Stay stands for uh, Surveillance and Target Acquisition. Uh, and uh, they were coming around and doing like an indox. They were inviting guys to do indox testing, which, you know, if you pass that, you're not a sniper right away. You're just, uh, you're, you're basically nominated to go to school. And so I did my indox. And things I, another thing I had gotten in basic was a first class swimmer, which is uh, very rare. I was, I was the only guy to get that as well in there. And, I mean, like that was that's some brutal <laughs> qualifying, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, damn near drowned a lot of times. Uh, so, like that, that put me in like a higher like uh, percentage, I guess, for for being nominated. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, I, I just got new orders, and I was saying I was going to Camp Pendleton to do sniper school, and then after that, going to be assigned to a new unit in Twenty Nine Palms, and so. Went to sniper school, became a Marine Corps scout sniper, which is pretty cool title. <laughs> that's that's intense, man. That, yeah, oh. pretty bad. 
<laughs> you see some you see some shit when you're a sniper, I'm sure. Yeah, you definitely do. Um Well thank you for your service before we go any further. I appreciate that, man. Uh yeah, uh uh so I mean you see I don't wanna take away from any of the guys that are, you know, like ground, uh running and gunning on 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 you know, kicking down doors and whatnot, because uh, that that's very very intense too like sniper you you there's there's a plus and minus to every job i guess in the, in the marines yeah they're all important jobs right yeah oh yeah yeah i mean all, all together yeah all of them all are important jobs I'm, I'm, but like strictly speaking on like the you know infantry level like uh, you know if you're a, a grunt a basic grunt you're kicking down doors you're you're dealing with that up close and personal you're getting pinned down by by mortars and machine gun fire that's the sniper's job is to eliminate those threats so that the uh you know the basic infantry unit can continue on with their with a main assault of the mission mm-hmm. and so you know they have to deal with that stuff we have to deal with counter snipers and uh, a lot of mortar fire rpgs get lobbed, lobbed our way um then that's a pretty intense um so, yeah, interesting. I, I did I did two two deployments in uh, both both to Afghanistan. Um, first one was a little bit, uh, I want to say, more relaxed kind of in a way. Uh, we were the first uh, Marines to go in. My, my unit, the Battalion Marines, um, but yeah, we secured the embassy and we got to stay in the embassy. You know, we got on patrols and stuff like that and carry out missions. Uh, second deployment, we were uh, up, up, you know, I was a sniper at that point, and uh, we were up in northern province, uh, Jalalabad province of Afghanistan, and uh, Kandahar, we, we did a little bit of work over there, too. And it was just mountains, and, and you know, you're, you're staying at outposts, and, like, they were co- constantly moving us and attaching us to different units to, uh, you know, to, for support. So uh, that, that one was a little bit rougher. Uh, not just like terrain and, and living condition wise, uh, just, just took some heavier like losses and stuff. And yeah. So when did you, uh, when did you ultimately end up coming home? Uh, so it was Oh six. Um, and it was October. Wow. I remember I, I got a ride. I paid this guy to give me a ride home cause I, I didn't keep a car cause I like to drink and I knew that the MPs like really like got on guys for, uh, you know, drinking and driving and stuff like that. So I intentionally didn't get a car. Yeah. I was in the Marines. <laughs> I'd always either borrow people's cars if I need, really needed it or, or, you know, pay someone to just drive me somewhere. Yeah. This is before Lyft and Uber. So it was a lot harder to get around. Right. Oh yeah. Way before Lyft and Uber. <laughs> uh, uh, go ahead. No, 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 please. Um, uh, it didn't seem that hard to get around. I don't know. We, we, got by i mean it's just you know like back then you can still kind of hitchhike if you really need to you know, <laughs> <hitchhike. laughs> that's true yeah yeah and you're not worried about anything shit you're a marine right out of right out of the right out of the service right <laughs> that could be dangerous mentality as well though yeah that's true that's true um yeah. so so was it uh was it a pretty easy transition coming back um at first it kind of was um because, you know, and I like I heard and back then uh, they just barely started, you know, recognizing uh, PTSD and stuff like that. So 
I didn't even get like now they uh, I don't know exactly what they do now. I know um, a little, little bit after I was out, I talked to some guys that got out and they do like a you know a nice like reintroduction course, which lasts like you know a, a couple weeks to a month. Um, I got a class, a one day class, basically on um, how to you know dress and uh, behave at a job interview, um, how to create a resume. Did you say a one day class? They covered all yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, I, I was, you know, I'd hear stuff about this PTSD thing and I just kind of like, I was like, well, thank God I didn't get that thing wherever, you know, yeah. what it was. Uh, and I just kind of went about my day. I mean, like I noticed, you know, like, like sleep problems and, and stuff like that. Uh, but never really, um, thought I I didn't think too much of it like uh it's it it, I don't know it wasn't a fact like I I you know I I first I stayed with my folks for like about a month or two just till I figure out where I was gonna live and moved in with a couple buddies and um I mean like the worst thing that was happening was waking up and like punching a hole through the wall like uh you know my my bed was always next to a wall Mm -hmm. uh and uh just yeah and i i coped with it i don't know stuffed it down is more like i guess i should say than uh coped with uh for for a long time and then i started noticing more and more um kind of like symptoms and 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 you know reactions and uh but i still just kept trying to suppress it because uh you know you don't want to like at that point it almost became like a not something that's shunned or anything like that, but it's it's still like you're not you don't want to you know say you're disabled you're you know you're not not uh, you're subpar or something like that. Right, and I mean just just coming from a perspective of just being a man, you don't necessarily want to come out and say, oh yeah, I've got these emotional problems I'm dealing with. You'd rather just suppress them and and move on, right? Like there, there's nothing really to worry about. Yeah, well, I mean, there's enough to worry about, you know jobs and, and oh yeah uh, yeah <laughs> life in general yeah yeah so did so uh which I, I don't know how how long did it take you to finally realize it that you had ptsd and that it had actually become a problem um i honestly didn't like I mean, I knew it was it was a problem, but it was one of those problems that you know seemed like I could control it, uh, you know, enough basically. Like I, because I'm like I'm pretty good with like, like for example, like physical pain and whatnot. Like you know, like the the cliche thing of you know, a guy never goes to a doctor kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was kind of like that. It was kind of like, it was bugging me, but it wasn't bugging me bad enough to where um, I felt I needed to you know really talk really talk to anyone or anything like that um but i started uh noticing some like depression stuff uh happening more and more you know then it would get worse uh and uh when i when i actually when i really realized it was uh this last summer um and i'll get into that a little bit later but uh you know when i when i met you and uh well, via phone, uh, calling the radio show, uh, I I was just I'd started drinking. I mean, I've always drank, you know, but uh, not not heavy like I started to. I mean, I was started it was that whole 
hair dog thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like wake up and you're feeling like crap, but you got to go to work. So like, gotta keep I, it going. Uh, yeah. Well, it was first. It was just like, like grab one of those little dollar shots or something at the liquor store and just just to even you know level out whatever. Mm-hmm. Then those turned into you know a little bottle, then the medium bottle, and then like I was just like you know pretty buzzed up all day. And but like I didn't really care about myself getting hurt or injured. I mean, I did, but I didn't. If that makes sense. Yeah. But uh, but I, I was a foreman. And um, I was just really worried that, like, one of my guys is going to get hurt or, or I'm just going to hurt someone else, period. Um, so I just, like, that that morning, I just – because, I mean, I'd, I'd parked uh, – like, the, the job I was doing at the time was in Roseville. But I'd get there, you know, before everyone, and I'd just park. And, like, there was a few times I either wanted to call the show um, or just sit there and, and think about, like, what, what the next step was going to be. And that morning, I guess I, I just got – tipsy enough or was still tipsy enough <laughs> to where I decided that I'd call you guys and, and try to, you know, have you guys make sense of my uh, <laughs> slurred speech and stuff. I remember that that morning vividly. And I think that we ultimately, we you know, we talked it through. You told some of your story and yeah, you could tell that you were, you were pretty much messed up, but you can hear in your voice that you were ready to not feel that way anymore. And ultimately, I think I remember you saying that you were going to end up going to, uh, you were going to head to, to a, a meeting that day? Uh, no, no. I, um, that day, I, I wasn't even sure. I, I, I know I had um, this girl I was seeing at the time. I had her come pick me up. and uh, That's right. I, I slept, slept it off at her house. Um, but... Uh, like that day, uh, once I was up, I called, um, called my doctors and stuff and, um, you know, talked to my family and decided I was going to do, uh, an outpatient like rehab thing, but I had to go to, uh, detox first. Mm-hmm. So went to a detox, um, right near Mather. Um, and I thought like, you know, the amounts I was drinking and stuff, I thought it was going to be like sick puking all over the place and you know just just not it wasn't that it was that hangover that i put off for like a couple months that was going to come up you know and, and just kick the shit out of me oh yeah been there <laughs> uh it it really didn't though like uh you know it was just like not not cool to like wake up and deal with reality and shit yeah. <laughs> but uh but it, it didn't really affect me too much and you know they had us going to like meetings and stuff and uh, i I don't really want to get on the subject of like AA and stuff because I have my own opinions about sure. it. But That's yeah, fine. You know, and I don't want to offend anyone. Um, but yeah, I got out of that and I, I called, uh, or no, I didn't call you guys right then. I went to a um, inpatient, um, or no, and first was the outpatient program. The outpatient program was, it was all right, but it was just too much freedom for me for very beginning of you know like addiction or like alcoholism addiction treatment or whatever mm-hmm. but like you know the first like week i did great and then um sorry about that um then like you know i think it was yeah like a week after uh something had happened oh i remember what happened it was uh you know they're very strict rules for the outpatient um thing so you're not allowed to have phones you have to be on time, like you're one second late that you get like no credit or whatever. Right. But we're, we're supposed to do like a meditation thing. And uh, the 
uh, facilitator lady was like, okay, you guys could, you know, uh, take your stuff out of your pockets and put it on the counter over here. And I'm like pulling stuff out of my pockets. And so I pull my phone out and set it down, you know, it's turned off. So like that, that, that was within the rules. And she's like, I saw you touch the screen. And I'm like, well, how, how do you grab your phone? I was like, I'll pull it out of my pocket. I'm not, you know what I mean? Uh, but, uh, so I got a no credit and I got all like pissed off about it. And, uh, on the way home, I, I like went and just grabbed like, a, I think it was a 40, it was like two eleven or something like that. But yeah. And, and then it, that just became like an everyday thing. Like I was just like on the way home from, from the uh, group or whatever, I would just grab myself a couple of tall cans or whatever I could that day and just. You know, but I thought I thought I was doing a lot better because I was only drinking, you know, the couple tall cans and go to sleep because they, they randomly test you also. And if alcohol showed up, you know, even the slightest bit, you're, you're getting uh, you get a couple warnings and then you get kicked out, which I eventually got kicked out. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, yeah. Um, and then after that. Uh, oh, we're about to get in a little bit heavier shit <laughs> hey just uh before uh, we do get into that i know you said you have a meeting here uh soon uh it's it, at one o'clock so, so do you want to do you want to pick this up another time from here or do you want to just keep going until you have to go um yeah i, I feel like i'm already here talking about it let's so do I'm it then let's get to it um all right so uh that like uh i just you know it was right around the holidays and uh like, uh, at that time I was like, you know, like I, I, I had friends and whatnot, but, uh, wasn't really hanging out with a lot of them at the time. And I got kicked out of this thing. Um, I was still on disability and on, on, um, leave for my work. And, uh, I mean, like I started just drinking again, you know, until I found out what was going to be, what was going to happen next. Cause I wasn't sure if I was going to be allowed back in this program or, uh, you know, if I knew I, I, shouldn't go back to work but i you know if i had to that that's that was going to be the next thing to do you know um but i like i said i just started drinking and then uh one night i don't know like i i drank a lot and i i remember like talking to someone on the phone i think it was either an ex or something like that uh and like from the from what i remember before i blacked out was uh just you know it was the normal conversation there wasn't any like arguing there wasn't a whole lot of reminiscing or anything like that going on uh but i came to like uh like we were pulling up to the va and uh, uh like i saw that my wrist was all wrapped up and stuff and you know like i uh, like i saw my dad and like i even jokingly was like I was like what the hell did i freaking get all emo and like try to like slice my wrist or something he's like and he just didn't really say anything um and we went in and I like, I kind of like passed out again, uh, came to and they had already stitched, stitched it up, but, um, I didn't just cut it. I guess I like just took a pair of pliers and was trying to like pull my, um, artery out because I, I guess I couldn't hit it or something like that. Oh my God. Um, yeah. So they, you know, I spent, uh, uh, two weeks in the like mental health unit there, uh, uh which was pretty freaking rough. <laughs> I, those places are a trip um, and you know and and the whole time reflecting back on like what, what was going on um or what i had done and like what, what how my family's dealing with that and you know just 
like how I'm going to be going back and like who's heard about it. Cause you know, I, I, w- I could make phone calls and stuff, but wasn't a whole lot of people I wanted to talk to at that point. Yeah. <laughs> um, so got out of that and I re- immediately like, you know, talked to my doctors again and they, so they decided to put me into this, uh, it's a dual diagnosis, uh, uh, treatment kind of thing. So it deals with the alcoholism and stuff, but it also deals with like, you know, at that point get assigned a mental health, like, uh, whatever, <laughs> not the technical term for it. Um, and that one, the, the rules were a lot more lackadaisical, but like, and I, and I kind of took advantage of that a little bit, but I, but I did finish that program and, um, I actually met like this really, really gorgeous girl in that program. And then that's when I contacted you guys again. Remember for the update? <laughs> I do remember. Yeah. Yeah. That's when you and I kind of like started becoming friends. Um, I, I know I didn't tell you about the, like what I just shared, but, um, I just kind of like, didn't, didn't you like, uh, there's a lot of embarrassment, a lot of shame with it. Um, uh, so, uh, I just kept it tucked in and I don't know, like now, um, I don't know what's changed in me, but like, I, I, uh, I, I think it's important to like talk about things like that and you know um there's really nothing to be embarrassed about you know other than the, like what what you could have like how you you hurt people around you by by doing stuff like that um other than that it's it's like very important to voice voice things like that so it doesn't get to that point um and i, and I think no, i since you never told me that story before um, at least if you did, I blocked it out because it's just so awful. And I can't stand thinking about you in that awful situation. It also makes me extremely happy to see where you are at now versus where you were then, because I, I honestly see you as a completely different person in the best way possible. Um, because not only do you seem like you're a happier person, you are a happier person. We are con- constantly in contact and not just because I need to check in with you, but just because we're buds now. And it's, it feels good to know that you're there and I'm so happy that you are. Um, but you also bring a new, you're, you're bringing a lot of joy into this world, not just by your presence, but also in your creativity. And uh, now, since uh, now that we're get gotten to this point, why don't you tell me a little bit, tell us all about what you're doing now to help, to help, uh, stretch that muscle if you will of creativity um so um you know after everything settled kind of um i i, I did a couple more like inpatient rehab things but uh, realized they weren't really like helping or anything like i was still you know drinking and whatnot i, I wasn't going down the other avenue anymore but uh i uh i just figured out like because i've always drawn and stuff my whole life um never really took it too serious uh, out of high school I, I had like a little scholarship to uh san francisco art uh is it university or, or what do they call it uh, there's some there's some there's the, the technical name for it but I, that, that doesn't matter um and i i had already signed up for the marines but so i like let that kind of like fly away mm-hmm. and um i didn't give up on drawing but i definitely wasn't wasn't doing it you know to the point of like 
like, like definitely not like I'm doing it today. <laughs> um, so I just, uh, I started just, uh, screwing around, uh, with, you know, a little bit of, uh, drawing here and there. And then I did have one canvas at my house, but it was like, had a hole ripped in it and, you know, I'd already like doodled some stuff on there, but I just had time off. So I was like, why not just try to paint and, uh, see what you can do with this. So like I just started and it, at first it wasn't a, like a plan to make it a, a career or, or even like a full-time hobby. <laughs> it was kind of boredom. Yeah. And, uh, I remember uh, the first painting that it was on that, like patched it up and stuff. Um, and uh, I sent I sent you guys a short little video. Like I, was, <laughs> uh, I sent you and, and, and Haley, I believe it was the, the short little video. And I was kind of like, I wasn't really dancing around or anything like that just to make that clear <laughs> but <laughs> right. but yeah i just i had so much fun doing that uh painting that uh, i started just you know like painting more and more and little by little like uh started going to michael's again and like grabbing canvases and stuff and it just like kept growing and then um showed a few friends and, and people started really going like hey you know you ever try selling it or anything like that uh Think that would probably sell for sure and I, i'm my own biggest and worst critic so like uh i'm just like yeah i mean i was like it's not terrible or anything but i was like i don't know if it's like show or, or sale worthy you know um but like people just kept saying it and um, i was out with some friends um they were wine tasting i was actually being a designated driver that day but we're out at uh, uh Ciotti's vineyards is like out in lincoln and i like sitting there and looking at all the blank walls and i'm sober everyone's having fun but i saw the owner and i go hey uh let me uh let me help you decorate this place and uh you could help me make some money you know and uh like what do you mean i i told him that i'd you know commission some pieces or whatever to to hang on the walls and, and try to sell them and he goes yeah, the walls are blank for a reason and i was like see i knew it like to tell myself <laughs> but, but uh he followed up really quick with, uh, you know, he's like, but if you have some like easels and stuff and you like can display your stuff outside and inside, he's like, I'll, I'll give you the whole, the grounds basically. He's like, I'll even have a band come out here and, uh, we, we could do this, a show basically. And I'm just kind of like taken aback. I mean, of course I said yes, but I'm still kind of like, like a month or two into, uh, doing this, like not even trying to do it as a job, but like, I'm having an art show now. Like, <laughs> that's insane. I know, right? That's so cool, yeah. man. I mean, and it, it, it's so. Just before we go, get any deeper here. If you want to see any of Adrian's art, all you got to do is go into Instagram, and his handle is gman underscore hunter. Is it? Did I get that right? Correct. And you're doing something probably multiple times a day. I mean, the the just to see how busy you are and where all of this. Uh, creative expression is coming from i'm always fascinated just to know where does this where does the seed of inspiration come from and what where do you get all these ideas because you can go from being completely abstract to putting in putting in so much detail i think it, the latest piece that you showed me was i think it was like a, a self-portrait of you uh holding a sniper rifle with an american flag behind you uh, um, is yeah, that, that is that you that you're painting yeah. that picture of no, no, no. That, that's uh, that's just a, it was a picture of a sniper I used for reference. Uh, but uh, 
I just, uh, uh, somebody called me um, to commission a piece and they go, you know, I really like your work. He's, he's actually a fan of the show, um, J- uh, a guy named James. But uh, he goes, do you have anything with American flags on it? And um, I had done some American flag stuff uh, in the past, but like I, like, I don't like, like you said, I don't really stick to one genre or one style. Um, I kind of just go with whatever I'm feeling. Um, I, that day or even that minute when I start going like doing the piece and uh, I mentioned to him because I had this uh, project planned already uh, and uh, some neighbors down the street took to like they had some fence replaced and stuff and I saw the old boards and I just like as soon as I saw these because they weren't regular fence boards they're like the little triangular ones yeah those uh, are awesome yeah they're like wedges but as soon as I looked at those I just like I think it was like a gate that was laying on its side. And I, I immediately went like, oh, like if you flip the, you know, got some loose boards and you flip them over, they'd lay in there perfectly. And like, I just, I saw the flag already basically. And um, so I, I was planning that. And like, I asked the neighbors, you know, and I, I had a bunch of this old, like weathered wood basically in my uh, backyard. But I, and I was going to build it for myself. And, it's, and like, I just, I just, built it last night and it looks really badass and i kind of want to keep it but i'm not gonna, I'm gonna give it to the guy because it's uh for his grandmother for his uh great uncle that uh, passed away that was an army vet oh, nice uh, yeah, yeah so- i wonder I, I was wondering how hard it is for you to part with some of these pieces if you're being commissioned to do them or if you just decide this is going to be a gift but i mean you put your heart and soul into it i bet it's hard to go yeah, some, some I can't wait to get out of my house. <laughs> Just tired of looking at them? Well, it's not so much tired of looking at them. It's a, like during, in the process. Because I mean, like I, I uh, someone asked me um, uh, the other day if, if I enjoy every single piece that I get commissioned to do, you know, because uh, like I'll do custom stuff for people, like whether it's portraits. Uh, and I've had very few people that like, tell me like this is what i want i want it exactly like this you know like no uh freedom of artistic expression basically it's like you just do what and like i mean i know i have the you know power to say no or whatnot but i just in a way i take it on as a challenge to myself you know and yeah. like, okay, see how we can do this um but certain pieces even if i'm going with my style or whatever just uh just you, you there's certain times where you get frustrated whether it's uh you know like something not just not turning out right or you're almost done and like you know uh like uh, i do a lot of stuff with paint pens for example and uh you know you press down to get a little more ink but instead the whole pen comes out no. <laughs> like really like <laughs> this just happened but uh yeah yeah so there's there's some pieces that yeah like i said I, I can't wait to get out of the house and i'm just so frustrated with them but uh there's others that I honestly, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I don't even want to, I don't ever want to let this one go, but you know, it, it already basically belongs to someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I, I just think of it as it's, you know, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's got a better home now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So do you I, see this being something that's going to be your, your career? Is this something you ultimately want to do to, pay the bills or is this always just going to be a passion that you're just going to do no matter what? Um, um, I mean, I'm going to do it no matter what that's, that's for sure. Um, as of right now, uh, but definitely, I definitely, that's what I'm trying to do now is, uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm networking as much as I can, as much as I hated social media. And like some people are, might get a chuckle out of this, but like, I finally got my first, uh, what is it? Uh, Instagrams. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my first Instagram account, um, uh, a couple months ago. And, uh, it was just to, to help promote it and help get it out there, which it, it has. And, and it's really cool. Um, but I mean, also like just, it's, been like kind of like gaining momentum more so than than just you know like okay well we're just gonna go day by day like there's been some like pretty like i i would say leaps rather than like steps that have happened along the way and it's just it's it's fascinating to me like um just i'm finally like in a good mindset and i'm doing what i love to do most and um just I'm basically living the dream like stuff that I heard you know on TV and fictional stories yeah <laughs> uh, is actually happening to me and it's a, it's a trip for sure well it, it, it makes me happy and I mean I'm sure that a lot of people that are listening to this right now are, are happy to hear that you're in a much better place now um, and I, I hope that everybody's heading up to Instagram right now to go check out your art gman underscore hunter. Up on Instagram, you're always doing live videos, and you're you're displaying all of your art constantly. You've done a few pieces for uh, my wife and I, which I, and I have one hanging up right behind me right now of that you did of Walter and myself, which is I think one of my favorite pieces. Um, so I'm just grateful that to be able to to call you a friend, and also I'm grateful for you to be willing to to share your story as well. Um, and I hope that people can come away from it with a little bit of hope and a, an inspiration and, and know that no matter what, no, how, no matter how dark things can be, you can turn things around. Yeah, definitely. Um, just, you know, while, while on that little subject is like, uh, cause I know there's people out there, you know, that are, they're going through it right now. And, um, it's just important to like one to voice, voice what you're going through. Um, even if it, seems like you know like oh you feel like you're being a burden on people or whatever just just that's the one like burden that i feel like they they are willing to take on um and uh just it it does it does get better and i think that that people might want to hear that more so now than ever because we are being forced into a place of isolation and and separation from actually physically meeting with people and to, to reach out to somebody I think is not necessarily a moment of weakness, but more of a, uh, just, it's, it's a moment of necessity. I think that we all need to connect with people on some level, especially during these times, even if we're all going through, uh, dark times or not. Yeah, definitely. And, and, uh, the, the whole, you know, moment of uh, weakness, I, I wouldn't call it that because, uh, you know, what, what do we call like, uh, for, for courage or strength and stuff It's it's doing something that, that you, that's like opposite of what your body wants to do or what you mentally want to do. You know sure. what I mean? So going out of your comfort zone, maybe exactly. Yeah. 100%. So mm -hmm. like if, if you know, all of you is telling you that I'm just going to stay here, you know, by myself and I'm not going to talk to anyone. I don't need to, you know, share this with anyone, uh, like dare you to go ahead and, and be strong and, and be brave and, and, you know, make a phone call. I mean, it doesn't have to be friends or family. I'm, there's tons of uh, hotlines. Um, if you're a vet, um, there's a veterans crisis line. Um, if you don't know the number, it is 
8255 and then you press one um, once once you're uh, connected but um, I wish I would have prepared a little bit more uh, numbers and resources and stuff for uh, like civilian hey if if we we do have time before I uh, before I post this episode so if you want to you know put some things together uh, throughout the day and shoot those over I'll make sure to put those into the show details uh, for this episode. All right. Yeah. Right on, man. Well, I know you have somewhere to go, so I don't want to keep you any longer, uh, but I, I do I appreci- appreciate you taking a, what's that? I said, I don't have to go anywhere. It's, uh, this whole Corona thing um, is making it to where everybody just calls or, uh, you know, like my groups or uh, my oh. PTSD groups that I'm taking now uh, are conference calls. I totally <laughs> forgot about that i didn't know that i I didn't know that you know i'm still living in this world where some for some reason we are still going out and going to meetings and things but yeah that totally makes sense that you're all doing it virtually now so did your vehicle start getting uh you know uh like three weeks to a to a gallon all of a sudden (laughs) it did it's weird right right yeah it's pretty nice especially when the gas prices are below three bucks it only costs 25 dollars to fill up my tank not too bad. Well, yeah, because, you know, they, they calculated that you're not really going to be burning all that gas. <laughs> yeah. All right on, man. Uh, but, yeah, I let's uh, let's reconnect again, and let's talk more about your art uh, in another episode, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and I'm really glad that we were able to uh, uh, share your story with a lot of people. I think it's going to inspire a lot of folks, especially those that have been in similar situations as yourself. Awesome, man. Uh, I I hope it does. All right, Adrian. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, man. The Rad Podcast.